You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras. Now, it's summertime, and that means it's time to start getting our trail cameras ready and our trail cameras out to start capturing pictures of velvet bucks. And our friends at Exodus are kicking things off with Velvet Fest. Now, what is Velvet Fest? Long story short, Velvet Fest is the opportunity for you to win a variety of different prizes just by purchasing Exodus Trail Cameras, one of the best trail cameras on the market. Now, until July 12th, when you purchase any trail camera, you will be automatically entered into a drawing to win a variety of prizes from companies like Wicked Tree Gear, Maven Rifle Scopes, Tethered Tree Saddles, and of course, Exodus Trail Cameras. Be sure to follow Exodus on Facebook and Instagram, and be sure to visit ExodusOutdoorGear.com for more information on Velvet Fest. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and today we have another epic story, or should I say epic season podcast. It's a whole bunch of little stories uh, about uh, Eddie Johnson's 2018 hunting season, and uh, it's one for the ages, so that's what today's podcast is about. But I just want to send out another reminder to all of you who are listening. If you haven't checked out the new Sportsman's Nation short film tradition, you need to go do that, and you can find that on the Sportsman's Nation YouTube channel. You can find it on the Nine Finger Chronicles Facebook page, uh, and I have links uh, all over the place going back to the YouTube channel, but I'd recommend going to the Sportsman's Nation YouTube channel, watching it, subscribe to it, because we're going to start putting out more video content uh, You know, as time goes on. I know that the Southern Ground uh, vlog always has new and exciting stuff for the public land guy uh, up and running there, so again, the new short film tradition is up. It's running. Please go watch it and share it with all of your friends. Um, I actually thinking about entering it into a couple uh, contests. Like, uh, I don't know if, if I can even do it yet. I got to read on the re- regulations. But the National Wild Turkey Federation has a contest. And I might be entering it in there uh, amongst some other places. Some, you know, the, the hunting film guess contests that they have out there other than that uh, make sure you're following 
all of us on Sportsman's Nation, um, whether you're uh, following us on social media, and that's Instagram and Facebook, or just the Nine Finger Chronicles, uh, you can get all the podcasts on one RSS feed. You can download it, or you can also just get the Nine Finger Chronicles uh, RSS feed as well and subscribe to that. All you got to do is search for what you want wherever you download your podcasts. And one last friendly reminder, um, two things. Uh, number one, I have my trail cameras up now over top of mineral stations. I'm freaking jacked to wait like a, three or four weeks to go check them again. Hopefully I can get to check them right before August, like the last week in July. Check and see if uh, some of the big boys are back. If they are, they are. If they're not, well, they're not. And, um, you know, it's that it's Velvet Fest and I'm jacked. It's like one of my favorite times of year is checking trail cameras, flipping through, going, yep, there he is again, or here, you know, there's a return customer or whatever. And then share, like, especially when I get to sit with my kids and flip through them, and they're like, dad, who's that? Who's that? And then, you know, sometimes they help give them a name, but it's got to be a good name. It's got to be a good name. Anyway, uh, commercial time, right? Ripcordarrowrest.com. That's the website. Ripcord Arrowrest is the product. It's a veteran owned company. It's an American made product and it's a company that has excellent customer service. Now, if you ask me, those three things are very important for any product that I work hard to spend my money on. So go to ripcordarrowrest.com. Check out their limb driven rests. They have a string-driven rest. They have um, some that are really simple. Uh, just put it on and go. Or they have a micro-adjustment site that has, oh man, like one, I think you can like four, three or four different micro-adjustments to really fine-tune your rest and get like lasers out of your uh, out of your bow. So just keep that in mind. Other than that, uh, Ripcord is a badass company. I always say this. I like I like saying that Ripcord is a badass company because they really are a badass company. And the next time you're looking to buy a rest for your bow, you need to go check out RipcordAirRest.com. All right, commercial's over. Let's get into today's epic story, epic season, BS session podcast with Eddie Johnson. All right, I'm on the phone now with Mr. Eddie Johnson. How you doing? I'm I'm good, Dan. How are you? I can't complain. I tell you what, I'm pretty jacked because I just got my trail cameras out uh, like a day ago, and uh, we're, let's see, we're recording this on July 1st, and I just got my trail cameras out, so I am starting to get a little more and a little more excited. I got my arrows finished that I'm going to be using on my elk hunt and my mule deer hunt and my whitetail hunts this year. So slowly but surely, I'm finally getting everything ready for the upcoming season. How about yourself? I, I hear you, man. Uh, shoot, just the end of June came and, and went real quick. And yeah, shoot, we're, we're, we're only a couple months away here from season opening up. So yeah, it, uh, it's crazy how fast it's going. So this whole year I feel has gone by super fast. Uh, I, I, I would agree a hundred percent. I just had a, another, our second son and first of May. So it's been a, been a whirlwind. So, Oh wow. You got a baby in the house. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, we do. How's the sleep situation. You getting any? 
Uh, he, he's not doing too bad for, for only being two months old. So, yeah. Yeah. My, I had my oldest boy. He didn't sleep through the night for 18 months. And, uh, I think I aged in that 18 months. I aged about 10 years. <laughs> I hear you there. I, I do hear you there. He's, uh, he's getting better. So, yeah. Well, Eddie, why don't you, uh, tell us where you're from and what do you do for a living? So I am from central Kansas as I mean, I'm, I'm smack dab in the middle, right on I-70 and, uh, I am an oil field contractor. I, I, I pump the wells. I, I make sure they're, uh, pumping units or everything's good with them. So I got to do that every day, weekends, holidays, every, every day. So, so you're in the car a lot, driving a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I put on 200 miles a day. So man, man, how many uh, wells do you check in a day? Uh, I got, I got around 65. So, so you go, you go to 65 different wells in a day and basically just, uh, perform any maintenance, check gauges, all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know more about it than most people. (laughs) Well, (laughs) the only reason that I know this is because I have a buddy up in North Dakota who does something similar right? My buddy Lucas okay. and he, he drives around and he does the same thing. He's got a route. Um, but I don't know if he's at it seven days a week. I think he's on rotation. I think with another guy, I'm not sure, but, um, he likes that job because it allows him to do some scouting while, right. while he's on the road. Are, do you take advantage of like lunch breaks and, and, uh, some quick scouting trips while you're doing your rotation? Yeah, I'm a, I'm actually not a company pumper. I'm a I'm a contractor, so I own my own my own business. So I, I definitely take full advantage of it. I uh, two hundred miles a day, you can get around and check stuff out as long as I get to my wells. Yeah, and uh, so oh, nice, nice. So I know Kansas is low uh, as far as public ground is concerned. Uh, do you hunt a lot of public, or is it mostly private ground where you're hunting? Uh, well, so this is only like my third year deer hunting was last year. And, uh, are I, you kidding me? I, no, no, I'm not. This, this uh, changes but. the whole story because now I actually hate your guts <laughs> yeah, yeah. with the picture that I, you I sent me. Buddies, I have a few buddies that are like that. I, yeah, I was a big time waterfowler and, uh, shoot there's so much pressure anymore that you'd find a field with you know a, a good field feed field and you'd show up the next day and there'd be three different groups so i've kind of got away from that and uh, sort of moved into the deer hunting so right right so you used to you used to be like hardcore uh ducks and geese oh yeah yeah i uh actually blew in the world championship duck calling in like 2010 so Okay. I was into it pretty hot, pretty hot, heavy. So gotcha. And then what? So just because of losing ground and having to fight with other groups of guys, you decided to step away from that and get into deer hunting. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, with waterfowling, you it's hard to just lease a place and, and keep it for the whole season because you know birds move around so much. So. Right it was, it, you put on a lot of miles looking for the birds and, you know, it's not too hard to find because around here we got tons of, tons of waterfowl, but when you got a big feed field, it's pretty easy to see from a, wide, a ways away. So, yeah. 
yeah. it, pressure was just getting crazy and it, it wasn't worth the work. Gotcha. So, so you went from one, one sport that takes up a lot of time to another sport that probably takes up a lot of time. So just like <laughs> really high level over the, you know, you said you've only been doing this three seasons, deer hunting. Yeah. Well, uh, so I shot a buck, you know, like, I don't know, five, six years ago with a rifle, but it was, it was, well, you know, a thing I walked out and I seen the deer and he was bedded down in some CRP by some thickets. And I just waited for him to stand up <laughs> and I got him. But, uh, so would you say yeah, my... chalk that up to a little bit of luck? Yeah, 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 that 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 was definitely luck. And here the past, well, I found uh, your podcast, and then, uh, oh shoot, Kenyon, uh, Mark Kenyon's podcast yep. about about a a year and a half ago. So uh, those have been super super helpful. Yeah. So was this transition away from waterfowl um, to? It sounds like you were already a little bit of a deer hunter, but not necessarily too committed. Um, the last three years, what has that been like? What's that transition been like? I mean, did you just cannonball into it? Was did you get in? Was that transition kind of eased in through gun hunting, or did you kind of jump straight into bow hunting? Well, I it it's so. I, I actually use a crossbow in Kansas. It became legal like 13 years or the 2013, but gotcha. it's, uh, so I probably would have never got into deer hunting as, as big as I am now without it. Uh, my, my father-in-law won this crossbow at a ducks unlimited banquet. And he's like, well, I'll never use this. See if you can go shoot a deer. And I went out and I, I got a deer with it. And that, that kind of hooked me. But, uh, now that, now that I'm into it as, as big as I was, if they, you know, if crossbows became illegal to use it during archery season, I, I would definitely buy, buy a, a, a real bow. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you kind of just, I mean, not that the weapon act matters one way or the other, but you, uh, you got this bow for free and that, or this crossbow for free. And that kind of opened up the doors. Was it, was it the fact that you got this crossbow for free that led you to become interested in going out during archery season or is it, or did you already have plans to get out there and go chase deer during archery season? But, but this crossbow just kind of accelerated it. No, it, it, it kind of just accelerated. I had, I kind of wanted to, you know, over the, for, for a while and, gotcha. and that just made, made it super easy. And it's, it's not one of these super high expensive, you know, you can shoot 80 yards, shoot. I, I don't like shooting over 40 yards with it because it's uh Oh, I think it's a Barnett brotherhood. I mean, it's a, like a $275 crossbow, but it yeah. gets the job done. So, right. It's not like these uh, crossbows that you see that are taken, you know, like hundred yard shots, you know, just like, <laughs> frozen no, ropes at a hundred no. yards. No, I, I've set the target up to about 80 yards and, uh, it was just hitting the target was, was a chore. So there's, there's no way I'm getting over 40. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. So the last three years has kind of been your introduction into archery, the archery season, so to speak. What, um, before we get into like all these stories and stuff, 
what is the terrain like that you uh, that you hunt and spend most of your outdoor time in? Uh, for the most part, it's fairly flat, but we do have a couple, uh, well, for Kansas, they're big rivers. Uh, we have the Smoky Hill and Saline River, and they're kind of down in canyons and spot, you know, nothing, nothing huge elevation, but, you know, there'll be a hundred foot between the, the river and the, in the top of the hill or so. But. Right. Right. So there actually is some terrain because my uncle, he lives in Southeastern, um, Southeastern Kansas, uh, near, I think it's Emporia. Yeah. Emporia, Kansas. Yeah. And it's really flat down there. And the only trees are really along waterways. Right. Well, yeah, that's uh, trees, uh, all our trees, it's, it's going to be along either a drainage or Creek or, or, or along the river. So, gotcha. yeah. Gotcha. So you have to really focus on where you're going to set up. I mean, where, where are the deer spending most of their time? Are they in those waterways and fence lines and like uh, drainage ditches or are they out in the big, I don't know. Cause I have a, another friend who lives on the Western side of Kansas and he hunts a lot in the pivot fields. Right. Yeah. We're, we're, uh, we don't have many pivots. It's, it's a lot of, well, uh, we have, a decent amount of CRP and then a, a ton of wheat, which is getting cut and shoot there about done with harvest. And they just started a couple of days ago. So we're a ton of wheat and we don't have much corn and very little beans and uh, a lot of Milo too. So gotcha. So is but that the, the deer, the, the deer, they, they spend shoot 90% of the year. They're, they're down in those trees and, and along the waterways and whatnot. Gotcha. And that's where, that's where they kind of, live i mean are they popping out yeah. into the flatland much or is that only during the rut when they, things get crazy uh no i mean they'll, they'll they'll come up and feed you know in the evenings and whatnot but i mean their deer shoot the deer that i've shot the past couple of years they're coming from oh a mile or so away before they get to me so gotcha. they, they do move a lot yeah, that's what my uncle says. He's like, man, in Iowa, a deer will stay on 80 acres if he's got everything he needs. Uh, but um, he was telling me the story of he was hunting a deer one fall, uh, and then two and a half or three miles away is where they found his sheds uh, one year. So he was covering yeah, yeah. tons of ground uh, throughout the, his, his, you know, the entire year, and they move around not necessarily for food, but you know, just interactions with other deer, especially during the breeding season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The rut, it, it's it's crazy because I mean, shoot, I've I've about hit a deer with a truck. Oh, it was probably three years ago, and then about two hours later, he was five miles south of where I about hit him. So it's it's crazy, man. All right, so let's talk a little bit about um, you know the the farm specifically that you spend most of your time on. Uh, do you own ground, or is this like knock on door permission? No, this, uh, so where I've got my deer the past couple of years is, uh, it's actually my in-laws place and they have a quarter of ground and then two miles north, they have a half section of ground and it is CRP and pasture and that's it. Okay. No trees. I mean, that, well, there, there's, so I have a stand in the only cotton wood and it's right smack dab in the middle of the quarter 
on the South Farm, and then on the North, uh, the same kind of thing. There's there's maybe oh four or five trees big enough to hang in. So yeah, okay. And so uh, you you have access to what's a a section is uh, six hundred forty, and then divide that by four. You're you're looking at uh, what about seven hundred and fifty acres the, that you have access to hunt. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah, and that's all. Other than other than the few trees, it's all basically flat ground. Yeah, it's it's pretty, yeah pretty flat. Right. So, does that give you the hunter an advantage? Because uh, you know, it's say, hey, I have I have seven hundred and fifty eight hundred acres to go work with, but because it's so flat and barren the deer basically spend their time in this section. So it's almost like you're really hunting like 80 acres or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I mean, it, it's, yeah, there's rolling hills, but it's, uh, they got, when they're moving to food in the evening or during the rut, when they're, they're following those, those trails, they're, uh, they're pretty predictable. And, and I actually, Oh, I, I sent you pictures of a wide ten, and uh, on like the 13th of October, I had seen him in the mornings crossing this road uh, a couple hundred yards away from my stand. So we had that big cold front in October. I think pretty much the whole Midwest had it. And I went out and I had him at 15 yards, but I couldn't get him to stop. So, and it was you know, super hard North wind and, and raining and whatnot. So that was actually, I kind of got on that guy by listening to you and Mark. And, uh, I don't know, it, it, it helped out a lot. I thought I was pretty proud of that. Yeah. Even though I didn't get the buck, but yeah. Well, I tell you what, there's times where, and I've had this happen to me a lot throughout my quote unquote hunting career. And that is, you know, you're playing cat and mouse, with an animal and you have the encounter and it's almost like a wind a win for you but you don't actually get to kill that deer because he maybe took a uh, a wrong trail or he came in you know hard quartering towards or hard quartering away or you know just it didn't it didn't work out but you were in the right spot if that makes sense yeah, no, 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 absolutely. And I, and I had talked to one of my buddies and, and told him, you know, my plan, because like I said, I'd seen this deer crossing the road. Oh, before sunrise, like three days in a row. And, uh, I talked to my buddy. I'm like, man, am I stupid for, you know, it's the first cold front of the year. Should I just go try it? And I went and sat on the ground in a, just a, you know, like a three foot tall cedar tree and kind of built a blind up and, uh, Sure enough, he came by, like I said, 15 yards. He was just, he was booking it, going back to, back to cover. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, let's get into like some of these stories. Cause it sounds like 2000, the, the last 12 months have been something really special for you. And the first story that I want to cover with you is kind of something that if it happened in Iowa, I'd probably shit my pants, to be honest with you. Um, uh, how, first question, real quick, how many trail cameras do you run throughout the year? Uh, well, I have three on the my, my in-laws' place. And then last year, I, I started putting a few out on public ground. And 
So I don't know, maybe another three on public. Okay. All right. So why don't you kind of walk us through this, this story of what you found while checking your trail cameras? So October 22nd, about a week after I had that encounter on the same farm uh, with that Y10, I pulled the camera card out of my camera and got home, which is about a 15 minute drive and growing through pictures, you know, and at that morning on October 22nd, the same day I pulled the camera, there was a five by five bull elk here in the middle of Kansas. Really? And I, I about fell out of my chair. I would too, uh, because I don't even know where in Colorado they, because I know there's elk in, let's see, let's go to the north, right? There's, I think in the very far western, northwestern part of Nebraska, there's an elk season. I don't know if there's any elk seasons in Kansas at all, uh, but well, that, there, there actually is. There is, okay. Yeah, yeah. So what, where at in Kansas, like, is it the furthest western part of the state? So the there's a tiny elk herd out on the eastern side of the state at uh, Fort Riley, and they have, a, you got a draw for that, but yeah. they also sell statewide tags, so you can go buy one over the counter. Okay, so would you have been able to hunt this elk? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's, that's crazy. So when, when you have an elk like this that pops up is, and it's, I take it, it's only over the counter for residents, right? Uh, I would imagine I'm not a hundred percent sure. I mean, it's, it's such a, a rare thing. Yeah. You, you know? Yeah. Cause I was talking to uh, a guy up in Nebraska who lives in the sand Hills and he's like, you know, at once in, in a blue moon, we'll, we'll have an elk come through the you know the area and you know just like in iowa you hear stories every year about a uh, a black bear coming down out of minnesota or a moose showing up out of you know coming all the way down through minnesota or south dakota or whatever and so that that makes the news right did anybody else see this elk or did it become i guess not you know public knowledge well so i i seen it and I text a bunch of buddies, and they're like, holy cow, man, that's crazy. And uh, two weeks earlier, about 60 miles west of me, so closer to Colorado, somebody else had seen the same bull. And then uh, I actually grabbed my son from daycare at like, oh, 4.30, uh, and we ran back out there to see, you know, see if we could see him again. And we, we went down by the camera, and he wasn't there. So we drove around maybe 20 minutes, and then we circled back and went back in, and there he was standing there at the camera again. Really? Was there like a mineral site or something that made him stop there? So I oh, like I try, I attempted to plant a food plot this, this past season and okay. just some clover in the fall, and it did come up, but I, I got more weeds than uh, – clover i'm not <laughs> gotcha unfortunately but yeah okay all right so did like if an elk showed up in iowa for me on one of my trail cameras and i spotted it on multiple occasions and i had the ability to hunt it 
I might like stop hunting whitetails for that moment and try to go and shoot this elk just from the pure standpoint that, you know, Hey, I, I can do it, but I, I'll never get the opportunity again. Possibly. Did you, did you like go buy an elk tag? Did you try to actively hunt this thing? <laughs> so the plan was if he was there in the morning again, or, or just around, I was going to get a tag, which is only $300. So for an elk tag, that's pretty dang cheap because I, I actually just drew out in Colorado for uh, first rifle season for this year, which will be a first. So yeah, 300, 300 bucks seems like a pretty good deal, but he, he wasn't there. And turns out two days later, he was 40 miles east of me. And uh, in two days, about 10 in two days, wow. Somebody else had him on, on picture or trail cam. Yeah. That's crazy. So I, he, I, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, man. That's nuts. Of all the things you catch on trail camera, man, like, I don't even have a story that cool. And I've, I've been, I've been running trail cameras for years. Right. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. He, uh, I ended up putting it on Facebook after he's gone and whatnot and shoot, man. Uh, it had more shares than probably anything I've ever, ever posted on social media. So yeah. it, it got a lot of attention. So that's crazy. That's crazy. So, and, and that was in October, right? Yep. Yep. No right. October. Gotcha. All right. So that was, cool number one you had a and that was in 2018 october october 2018 yep. right okay yep. all right so you had you had an encounter with a really good 10 pointer just didn't happen right uh you got an elk on trail camera and you actually saw the elk out of your truck right yeah all right yep. so that's something that never happens so but now I want to kind of talk about this absolutely giant whitetail that uh, that you picture that you sent me, and I take it this was a, a crossbow kill or was this a rifle kill? Yeah, yeah, no, he came in and got him at twelve yards. So. Oh Jesus, I hate you even more. All right, so <laughs> let's let's talk a little bit about this, right? Why don't you at the, at the beginning of the season did you know that this buck existed? No, no, he. Uh... The first time he showed up on camera was the second of November. Okay, and while while you're checking your trail cameras, this buck shows up. Um, other than like that ten pointer that you mm -hmm. you know that you had that close encounter with, were there any other big deer uh, on those properties that you were that you were chasing, or were you just only focused on that one ten pointer? Uh, no, there was, there was another 10 point, uh, up on the North farm that was, uh, not as wide, but he, he had some trash, you know, a couple of different kickers and, and I would have been happy with that, but, uh, this was by far the, the biggest, uh, well, yeah, yeah, by far. Okay. So just to put everything into perspective that the buck that you had the encounter with at, at the beginning of the season, like in October before the elk sighting, that buck is a 10 pointer. What, what do you think he would go somewhere around the low one fifties? Uh, yeah, yeah, probably. Okay. Low one fifties as a, as a 10 pointer. And then what was the other deer that you said you had on camera that you were chasing the ten, the other 10 pointer, uh, probably about the same. Yeah, probably about the same. Just totally different look, but yeah, okay, yeah, about the same. All right. So then November second comes around, and you have this 
paint what what I like to call them are pants poopers because you're flipping <laughs> through your I don't know if you've ever, ever done this. I'm sure you have. You're flipping through your trail cameras. And you're like, nothing, nothing, nothing. Oh, shit. Like the giant shows up, right? And that, you have that. That's exactly what happened. <laughs> yes. Okay. So then what happened when you saw this picture of him? I mean, did you instantly go into like strategy mode? Uh, well, that, for, like I said, for me, there, there's only one tree, uh, on one main tree on the quarter that I got this deer on. So I'm just waiting. So there's between these two farms and to the east of me, about a mile is almost a whole section of, uh, these, well, nobody can hunt there. These, these people, they're, they're so crazy. They'll, they'll, if you're hunting next to the farm, they'll call the game wardens and harass you. It's so these deer have a sanctuary and they move from that into another drainage. So, there's there's plenty of big deer okay all right so but you still have to catch them on the property that you're hunting on right right and you know i i, I checked the camera on the third of november so we're getting into you know prime time of the rut for for down here so i i figured he'd be back so i actually that night I went back out and, uh, of course he wasn't there, but, uh, I ended up hunting the same stand. Uh, I was lucky enough. Somehow I had a North wind, which is, is what I need. Hunted that same stand four days in a row. And every day I checked the camera. He was there at some point, just, just not when I was there. He was either after dark or super early in the morning. So gotcha. I, I figured at, at some point I would connect as long as I had, you know, conditions were right and whatnot right all right so i want to i want to lay this down the the first picture you had of him was on the second second of november all right yep. so was that were you able to hunt that evening of the second or did you have to wait until the morning of the third to go out and hunt no 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 i actually checked the trail cam on the third so oh, i went on the out third. okay i got gotcha. you yep. yep. so were you hunting that evening then Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. So no sightings, but he did come. Th- he did come through on the third as well. Right. Okay. So then, what about the fourth? The fourth, I went back out in the evening, and because uh, it, it was just super, super still in the morning, and uh, I, I maybe could have could have made it work, but I, I generally don't like to to go in super early in the morning to the, these spots because. Uh, Last year I walked in on, and there was two bucks, you know, on the trail I was walking. So that kind of, it's probably silly, but that kind of dissuaded me from doing the morning thing here. Gotcha. Just because you feel that the deer are in this area and you don't want to, you don't want to bump them out. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. When you hunted the evening of the fourth, looking back, did, was he through there? I mean, was that a good idea that you stayed out or because did he show up at all uh, the morning of the 4th? Uh, he was there in the morning and then in the evening, like 9 o'clock at night, which, you know, it's already right. well past uh, sunset. He was there again. So so he's making rounds through this yeah. property. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So he's, he's checking for dough for sure. So while you were hunting on the evening of the 4th, no sighting or sighting? No, no sighting. No I sighting. mean, I, I, had, I had deer, but but not that one. So. Okay. 
So it looks to me like he may be cruising for a to you know cruising looking for the like a first hot doe. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, for sure. They had you know driving around pumping. I I had seen a few bucks chasing uh, about a week before this, so I knew you know it was only a matter of time before before something was going to happen. So right, okay, so you're obviously this buck shows up and he's got all your attention at this point. Right. And and now he's starting to show up continually on this farm. Um, did you feel that at this point it was just a matter of time before you had an encounter with him or did you feel that, Hey man, I got to get this done now before he's gone. No, I, it was kind of a, you know, they, they move around so much out here. You, you, you really never know. So, I was hoping and I was pretty optimistic being he was so consistent, but I, I, I didn't know for sure. Right. Okay. So the fourth goes by what happened on the fifth. Fifth comes and same thing, uh, get there about two o'clock in the afternoon and, uh, check the camera on the way in. And he's there again that morning, but you know, before sunrise. So okay. I think we're still good there, but seen, seen some more bucks cruising even more than the day before. So, I, I was, man, I, I really thought it was going to happen that day because it was, it was fairly cold here and we had a pretty hard North wind. I'm like, man, th- this has to be it, but no, it sure wasn't. Okay. So the fifth goes by and he's on camera again, the, the day, the morning of the fifth and the evening yep. of the fifth, yep. right? Uh, no, he actually didn't show back up that evening, but, uh, on the next day he was there morning and then late evening okay so was he so was he even close to daylight at this point uh yeah the mornings he was getting pretty i mean yeah he he was two of the mornings he was there almost right at sunrise so okay it was super close gotcha so when you start getting getting this information how hard was it you um for you to stick to your original plan of not hunting mornings. Because for me, if I would have a buck coming through an area that many days in a row at right at sunlight, I would probably try to get into that stand at like real early in the morning. (laughs) It was pretty tough. Believe me. Uh, but the way he was moving. So my entrance, uh, the quarter is actually kind of in the middle of, of the section. So I can't go in really on either side. It's, I walk up a drainage right to this tree and, uh, that was actually the way he was coming from. So I I didn't want to do that. Really. Okay. So, so you were still worried about crossing his, like you guys meeting and or bumping him, uh, throughout a morning access route. Right. 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 Yeah. Because I mean, I I get pictures in the morning and evening, but there'd be, you know, he'd be there at three o'clock at night too. So he he was, he was just cruising back and forth. So. Gotcha. At this point, did you think about trying to shoot him from the ground in a different part of the farm? Uh, not necessarily because there's, I mean, there's about three different places to be. And, uh, I mean, three different trails they they really use and uh i didn't want to do the thing where (laughs) i 
I'm not making fun of him or anything, but listen to Kenyon, uh, when he was chasing that big deer last year, he'd, he'd be in one stand and then move and the deer would be where he was yesterday. And I I really didn't want that to happen. So (laughs) I tried to, I I just kind of stuck with it. Because you, you felt that of all the places you're going to have an encounter with this deer, you're going to have an encounter with that particular stand. Right. Yeah. 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 All right. Gotcha. All right. All right. So the sixth goes by and he's, he's on camera again, morning and night. No, uh, no encounters. How far are you able to see from this stand location? Uh, so where he would be coming from, I can only see maybe, Oh, 200 yards. I mean, only, I know that sounds silly, but if I look, across down to the south uh and across the dirt road i'm like i said i'm in the middle of this quarter so right it's maybe you know 400 yards or so well yeah to the road and then past that there's another creek where these bucks are moving to from the you know where where nobody can hunt and it's maybe a two mile trip for them but i'm right through that path and i actually seen on the sixth a pretty good buck up there chasing doe on that field to the, to the south of me, but it's, you know, three quarter of a mile away. But I was watching that with binoculars and, uh, getting real close to evening. I heard a car just blasting because these deer are crossing a blacktop. It's, it's not really well used, but I heard a car just blasting on the horn like four times. I'm like, man, what in the heck? And, uh, you know, I, I didn't think anything of it, but yeah, I, it was kind of frustrating because, you know, prime time, right. You know, five thirty in the evening, something's got to be coming. I'm like, well, that kind of screws things up, but yeah. Okay. So did you feel that that car, like, I mean, I don't know. Did you feel like, Oh shit, it's over. It's done. I mean, at this point you've been hunting <laughs> this deer for, you know, three, three straight days, four straight days. Uh, were you starting to get frustrated at all? Or were you still confident in that tree stand? No, I ha- I had enough gear moving, and on the six, I actually got video of a pretty good tent point. I mean, uh, super super tall, uh, pretty narrow, but not nothing. I-, I was pretty locked into that one deer, so I, I actually posted that the-, the deer of that video that came through on the six, and I had tons of people. Man, man, why didn't you take that one? No, no. Well, it's Kansas. There's always a bigger buck. Okay. Just kind of downplaying the whole thing, but yeah. So my, my question is, you've only been hunting for like crossbow hunting during the archery season. You've only been doing it for, you know, gosh dang, uh, three years. And you have the rifle season about ready to start, right? Or has- uh, well, our rifle, rifle season in Kansas doesn't start until the first week uh, or the last weekend of November. So oh, okay. it was still you know, three weeks away. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So, um, like that's something that I did is I was chasing a big deer for five straight years and I didn't shoot. I I think there was a a period of four years where I ended up passing several deer that I should have shot uh, because I wanted this big giant buck that I'd been chasing. I look, I look, I look back on that and I I gained a lot of experience on how to become comfortable around big deer, but it didn't, it, it didn't help me during the moment of truth at all. 
right? So the crazy thing, the crazy thing is I look back and I don't necessarily say I regret it, but if I was to do it all over again, I probably would have shot some of those deer that offered, you know, that offered a shot, you know, and did this, did this thought ever cross your mind while, you know, Hey, I'm only three years into quote unquote archery hunting. Uh, maybe I should take advantage of some of these encounters. Uh, it did a little, I, I was able to take a, a fairly decent buck last year. So that kind of, kind of, well, close to those thoughts. So. Gotcha. Okay. So the previous year you shot a good deer. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. So as you're starting to, um, I guess just basically collect data on this deer through trail camera when he's coming through, did you ever see him from the tree stand before the day you actually shot him? No, never. Okay, never. no. All right, so what day did you end up shooting him? I got him on the 7th. Okay, and, so uh, the next day is when it all happened. Yes. Yep. Okay, yep. was this and an I evening get, hunt at all? Again? Yep, evening hunt. I got, the, got there again at like 2 o'clock, and uh, wind was out of the north on, you know, pretty consistent 10 miles per hour in all afternoon, man. I had, shoot, I got, I videoed with the phone probably... Oh, three or four different bucks that came by and it, it i mean it, it was crazy okay so it was on right i mean every the the deer were moving was that because of a cold front or just because it was the rut no uh, a little bit of both it, it was cooler maybe 10 degrees cooler than it was the day before and, and you know november 7th prime time yep yep uh it was go time so okay so you end up the, the deer are moving. Uh, it's an evening hunt. Why don't you, other than the deer moving, was there anything else special or different about that day that led to, you know, you having an, a daylight encounter with this deer? Uh, I, I, I couldn't say for sure. Yeah, obviously, I, you know, the, the cool front or the coolness helped, but, uh, it, it it was overcast and I, well, I, there was a front coming through in a couple of days, but I don't know that that made any difference or not. I think it was really just, you know, prime time and we got cool weather. So gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Prime time, cool weather. Uh, you're already in the stand. Um, you see some deer coming by how long until you spot him. <laughs> so I'm actually watching what I think is the deer I'm chasing again, three quarters of a mile south of me it, it, it's hard to tell obviously from that far away i think it's him and he's running a doe around this wheat field uh you know winter wheat back and forth and back and forth maybe 20 minutes so i'm like man this sucks all these deer and he's over there yeah and uh i actually hear so i'm i'm in a low spot of this crp field and there's a bunch of sunflowers running up this this low spot and i hear something in the you know, behind me to the north, and uh, I look back, and man, I, I don't see anything. So I'm like, well, it uh, must have been. You know, there's all kinds of badgers and, and squirrels and whatnot around. So I, I just chalk it up to that, and I keep watching what I think is the deer I'm after, three quarters of a mile away, looking through my binoculars, and I hear something again, and, and look back, and you know, shoot, it's, it's CRP and, and sunflowers. I I would think I would see a deer, but <laughs> I feel stupid, but I sure didn't. Yeah. So I look back and, uh, I turn around 
after looking through the binoculars and he's at like 20 yards holy shit so you have <laughs> this deer you're looking back nothing you look back again nothing because you're watching another big buck you know several hundred yards away chasing deer and then all of a sudden boom there he is yeah yeah i, I about fell out of the stand okay so did you have your crossbow in your hand at this point no no it was it was it was in the tree Okay, so why don't you walk us through from that moment till the time you actually squeeze the trigger? So he was 20 yards and uh, coming from from my left, and he was just following the trail. And, uh, man, as slow as I could, I, I, I got her down without him seeing. Like I said, we had a decent wind, so that helped. And there were still quite a few leaves in the tree right. uh, that, I'm, that I'm in. So that helped a bunch. And... Uh, he, uh, he stopped and looked back to the north and then started off again. And uh, when he got to 12 yards, I, I touched it off and made a perfect shot. So Okay. So when you looked down and he was at 20 yards, did you like get any type of buck fever? Or did it happen so fast that you really didn't have the time to freak out? You just reacted? No, no. I, I just I was reacting. Gotcha. All right. So then you squeeze the trigger. You dr- uh, did you see where you shot him at all? Uh, I, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was perfect. He he ran fifteen yards. Okay, so he ran fifteen yards and died. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So at this point, you've seen him fall over. Now, did you start to freak out? No, oh, man. <laughs> I about ten minutes before this, I had texted my buddy. I said, "Well, he's he's running in, in the section south of me, so it ain't happening tonight." Yeah. And I called him as soon as he fell down and man i I was going nuts okay you get down out of the tree you walk over to him like i don't know there's something about the moment that like the shot is awesome the the knowing that he's dead is awesome but there's a moment for me when you walk over and you're able to touch this animal for the very first time that's something completely different. What was that moment like for you? Well, it, it was crazy. Uh, like I said, I, I, I was lucky enough to get a, a decent deer last year. And, and walking up to this one, it, it was the first time that a deer actually, uh, you know, he, he, his antlers did not shrink at all. That's, that's for sure. And uh, I had been hunting, you know, for the past two weeks. So it, it was, it was fairly emotional. Yeah. It, it, it was, it was, it was really awesome. So <laughs> you just slayed this giant, right? What now for the listeners, you got to tell, you got to tell them how big, how big was this deer? What did you think he, his age was? Uh, so body wise, he, he really wasn't that uh, for for what he was carrying on his head, uh, his body wasn't anything crazy. But uh, he ended up his uh, right side was a, a six point, and his left side was four. But his G two on the left side was had some crazy palmation with like three extra stickers coming off of it, and he was just super, super, super. I mean, mass just the whole length of the main beam. And yeah. uh, uh, my buddy. That night, he, he grossed him out to 179 and a half. So. 
that's a giant deer. And I, I love, I'm looking at the, the pictures because it looks like if you were to find those two sheds, they almost look like they could be from different, different deer. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, his, the left side. So the, the goofy one with the palmation, I don't know if it has anything to do with it at all, but his left eye, he was blind in it. So I don't know if he had an injury on that side and that's why it was all goofy, you know? Right. A little goofy. That's crazy. Yeah. Man, that's awesome. That's a beautiful deer. Um, and you think at this point, right, your, your years are made, right? Because you just dropped this, um, this, this giant whitetail, right? With, uh, a crossbow. Um, I take it. This is the biggest buck you've ever shot, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. yeah. So you're, you're finding, you're finding really good success in, um, a very short amount of time, but it sounds like this is not necessarily is trumped because we all have like a different set of goals, right. Going into a year, right. Like for me, I have my personal goals that I want to, um, be, be successful on, but it sounds like you have some family members too, that found success as well, which is almost like your success as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. All right. My, so, uh, so what happened? Well, so the plan was to take my boy rifle hunting, which like I said, is, uh, in November, started December. And, uh, I don't know why, but for some reason, I, and Wesley, he's, uh, he, at the time he was only five. So, but he's, shoot, he's, he's a really big five-year-old. He's pretty mature. You know, he's, he's 80 pounds already. So Boy. He, he's a big kid, yeah. but, uh, he had been bugging me and bugging me and bugging me about, he wanted to shoot a deer. So I got it in my head that I was going to take him rifle hunting and I would just put a red dot on my, one of my ARs. Okay. And, uh, you know, all he had to do was put the dot where, where it needed to be. And we went over a ton. I pull up pictures on just Google image deer and ask him, where do you shoot this one? And he'd point. And, uh, so somehow it, I don't know, maybe it was silly of me, but I said, well, the deer are moving. I'm just going to put a red dot on this crossbow. <laughs> and, uh, that, that's what I did. And we went out on November 11th was his, his, his first day in the stand. And it was like 32 degrees and it was snowing. It was right. snowing pretty hard. Okay. So and, uh, one second here, was this yep. on the same farm that you just killed your big buck on? Exact same stand. Exact same stand. Okay. All right. So November 11th comes it's snowing. What happens? Well, uh, we get there maybe uh, three o'clock. It was a little later than I wanted to because I had seen deer moving all day at work. And uh, only about 40 minutes in, we get a small 10 pointer come in and uh, he takes his hands out of the gloves and gets the crossbow, you know, ready and, and whatnot. And this deer's coming straight at us, uh, straight from the east. And uh, he, he gets to about 10 yards and stops and he picks, picks us out up in the tree stand because you know, you know a five-year-old he, he, he's gonna have trouble and uh he picks us out and he's just staring and staring for probably 30 seconds and he finally turns uh just perfect broadside and i say okay buddy when when it's on where it needs to be you can you can shoot him 
And as soon as he, I said that, that deer started to turn back going where he came from and he shot right at that time and missed. <laughs> so missed the deer. And how big was this buck? Oh, he, he was a 10 point, but super, you know, a tiny basket rack. Right. Okay. All right. So he misses. What's that like for him? I mean, was he pretty disappointed? Uh, yeah, man. He, he knew right away. And he's like, dang it, dang it, dad. And I said, that's okay, buddy. And, and he was shaking. Great. It, it was, awesome. it, it, it was so awesome. I, I can't right. tell you how awesome it was. He was just shaking the beat heck. And he's like, so are we going to go? I said, well, that, this wasn't even the first year we had close to the stand. We had one come in behind us, yeah. uh, a pretty decent eight point, but behind us, he, there was just no way we could go. So I said, buddy, we've only been here 40 minutes. And, uh, I know it's super cold and he was, he was real cold at the time. I said, if, if you can stick it out, I think you might get another chance at a deer. And that, that whole evening we had deer coming and going and about five forty, that same deer I seen the day before I got mine shows up. Okay. And, uh, he comes in and he was actually a little farther than I'm, I wanted, I had the red dot, obviously it's one dot and normally crossbows, you know, have all the lines and the scope. So the dot was set for 20 yards and this deer was at 32 yards, but he was, came in perfect broadside. And I said, Wes, if you can put the dot a little higher, I mean, 32 yards, dead, dead broadside, you can go ahead and shoot. And he, uh, he did and he smoked it with crossbow. All right. So was, and this buck was a little bit bigger than the one he had just missed right uh quite a bit bigger yeah <laughs> oh my gosh all right so so he lets the arrow go did it hit where he was supposed to hit it yeah it, it was a little low but he uh he hit dead perfect i mean perfect left and right he was just a little low and he he hit bottom heart bottom heart okay yeah. so when you see you see this as a father this He's five years old when this happens. <laughs> yeah, he's just getting ready to turn six in a couple of weeks. Wow, this is nuts. Okay, because my boy, he's going to turn. Uh, well, he just turned four, so he's got a whole, roughly a whole year yet. But like, I don't like. I don't know, Mike. My, my, I know there's different kids develop at different ages and times, but I don't know if my kids are ready for the outdoors yet. That's that's something completely different, but. When no, I, when, I hear you. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. But when you hit him, or when <laughs> that came out wrong, when he hit that, <laughs> when he hit that deer, and you saw it was a good hit, what was that interaction like between the father and son at that point? Oh, dude, it, it, it was crazy. I, I was, I was more jacked for that. I mean, just right away, I was crying, man. I'm not gonna. Not gonna lie, I was I teared up. Shoot, I'm tearing up right now just talking about it. He mm-hmm. was so so he was jacked. Yeah, it's, I can't can't even say how jacked he was because so, and he knew he hit it too. He he heard it hit. So dad, I got that one. I said, yeah, you did, buddy. <laughs> dad, I got it. And so there's this moment, right? You guys are just like, you know, oh man, dad, I did it. And you're like, you sure did, boy. You know, like really. <laughs> um, so what what was his thoughts right after that moment like was he was he wanting was like dad we need to wait or is he like let's go get him i mean did, did you watch him <laughs> no, die he, 
yeah, he he ran like 60 yards and, and laid down, and uh, he said, Dad, I'm cold. Because <laughs> at that time, we'd been in the tree for probably, you know, two and a half, three hours. So, right. And it was 32 degrees and blowing north wind and snowing, so... <laughs> So he, he uh, you got he said, down cold and we got down out of the tree and walked over by the deer. He wasn't quite, uh, you know, gone yet. So I said, well, but we'll walk to the truck and by the time we get back, he'll be down. So, yeah. Okay. So you walk back to the truck, you heat up for a little bit. Um, well, that's the bad part. We get halfway back to the truck and it's, it's probably, oh, I don't know, maybe close to a, a quarter mile walk from the the stand to the truck yeah right. i get halfway back and i'm like oh man the keys are in the in my pack and the pack's in the stand okay so, <laughs> well at least you're I moving said, at well, this point right right i get him back to the truck and i jog back you know jog uh, if you can call it that yeah back to the stand and you know and then back and that takes a while lodging through the mud and whatnot and when i get back to the truck after dropping off i i just put him in the in the bed of the truck i said okay but i'll be back so i get back and he's crying i'm like oh man what what's going on here and he he said dad i'm cold and i peed my pants <laughs> I, I said well bud that's okay man you got more <laughs> Because he had all these clothes on, you know, coveralls and oh, pants yeah. and big coat on over it. And I said, that's okay, buddy. I don't care that you beat your pants. <laughs> and he was, he was so sad. <laughs> oh, I but. bet you. I, you know, there's times in a father where accidents like that happen, right? And they they give you this look like, Dad, I'm really sorry. Like you're going to be disappointed in them because of, you know, yeah. like, whether they yeah. were naughty or sometimes. Right. But at, at this moment they didn't want to get in trouble, uh, but it happened anyway. And you're just like, Oh man, it's okay. Like, I don't know that I, I run into those types of scenarios every once in a while too. You know, they're young and you give them a break and he just shot an absolutely beautiful deer. So now you got a kid with wet pants, right? What? Yeah. So now what happened from there? Did you make it back to the truck or what? Well, he, he had been sitting in the bed of the truck while I walked clear back. Oh, I gotcha. I gotcha. Okay. And in the time I went to get the keys and came back, that's when he, he had beat his pants. Okay. <laughs> like I said, he had all these clothes on and his hands weren't working because he was so cold and so jacked. I yeah. said, buddy, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Okay. So. Then did you get finally got back in in the truck, get warmed up a little bit? Did you go home? Yeah, no, no. We uh, we got to the truck and and uh, drove through the pasture, kind of towards the tree stand, and I went and dragged the deer up by the truck, and he he helped, you know, what he could, and yeah, he was he was just jacked. He was jacked with a wet pair of slacks, huh? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but hey, man. Uh, what was that moment like for him when he realized this animal was dead and he, you know, he, he realizes this, this animal's dead, but at the same time, like he, he had just shot it. Was there any remorse for him at this point or was he just like fired up that he's now, he's now a hunter? No, he, he was kind of just fired up. I mean, when we first walked up to it after getting out of the stand and, and he, the deer was still, you know, kind of, kind of well he was alive still he right. was just bleeding out uh 
he kind of, you know, said, oh, man, that that's sad, but Tad. And I said, well, it, it won't be long, and he'll be gone. Yeah. So, Gotcha. That part was sad, but you know, after all that, he was he was just super jacked, and and he's been with me dove hunting and duck hunting enough to where he kind of knows what happens. So yeah, I gotcha. Well, I tell you what, that's uh, and I know he I know he killed a turkey this spring as well, but we're running out of time uh, on this particular episode. So hey, I just want to say. Thank you, first of all, for introducing your son into hunting and continuing that tradition. And congratulations on a beautiful uh, deer, not only for your boy, but for you. And uh, good luck this upcoming season, man. No, man. Thank you. I, I appreciate you having me on. And uh, it was awesome. And uh, I did want to say your uh, your turkey hunt video, it was, it was sweet. So kudos on that. that. Keep, keep doing that kind of stuff. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Hey, good luck this upcoming season, man. Yeah, you too. Take care. Ladies and gentlemen, that brings us to the end of another Epic Season Story podcast. Hopefully you guys are enjoying this this series that we're putting out because here pretty soon we're going to be stepping away from the stories and getting back into the strategy, getting back into products, getting back into the bread and butter, uh, the, the hardcore shit that we really love to listen to get us fired up for the season get us prepped for the season Um, if you haven't yet go shoot your bow or start practicing with whatever weapon that you uh, plan on hunting with because uh, when it comes down to it it's one of the most important things uh, is the relationship between you and your weapon because ultimately that is what kills the animal and uh, I think that sometimes goes overlooked right the strategy is awesome you know the moment of truth is awesome but if you're not prepared properly with your weapon um, it just kind of it's all it's all worth nothing so uh, I don't know where that came from but I said it anyway huge shout out to Eddie for coming on the podcast huge shout out to all of you for listening please again go watch the new short film tradition and that is on the Sportsman's Nation YouTube channel. All you got to go to do, all you got to do, is go to YouTube, search Sportsman's Nation, and it will pop up. Other than that, huge shout out to all the partners of this podcast: Lone Wolf, Ripcord, Wasp, Ozonics, and Prime. Uh, you know, please go out and support the companies that support this podcast because, you know, that's how I get paid. Straight up, no bullshit. That's how I get paid. So if you listen to this podcast a lot and you're loyal to it um go check out their products because they're all really good products um i use all of them and uh i don't know what else to say really go check it out (laughs) and it is that time of year where we're starting to hang trail cameras up send me some pics dude I, i love looking at big velvet bucks or even little velvet bucks i just love looking at trail camera pictures so if you got a cool pic send it my way i might share it on social and if you're gonna be in a tree please wear your damn safety harness have a good rest of the week